How are you? Okay. And, you know, the, the readings today, they speak about uh, lost and found, being lost and found, lost sheep, lost coin. The other story is also the, the, the prodigal son. You know, I didn't read it because it would be a very long gospel. And, but so there's three, three parables Jesus shared today. I have a question for you. Are you lost or are you found? <laughs> you know, the, I have another question for you. What is the first question in the Bible? Do you know the first question in the Bible? The first question in the Bible is in the first book of the Bible. And the first book of the Bible is Genesis. Very good. You know, you know the Bible, yes? So the first question is actually comes from God. God is the one who asks the first question. You know the first question? Anybody? It's just three words. Yeah, I think I heard it. Where are you? Where are you? You know, and, and that question comes in the context, remember? Adam and Eve had just sinned. They ate from the tree, the forbidden, you know, they, they were not supposed to eat from this tree. And then they committed, that was the sin. And then they felt ashamed. They were naked, so they hid themselves. And God said, he called out to Adam, where are you? You know, and that's what happens. You know, the meaning of lost, it means that you lose your connection with God. You know, you're lost. You lost the connection with God. God is saying, where are you? Do you know where you are? Not only that, you lose your connection with God, you also lose the connection with yourself. You forget who you are. You notice after, like, Jesus, the God said, have you eaten of the fruit I commanded you not to eat? And Adam's response was what? He said, it was the woman who you gave me. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. So he, he's like blaming God. You know, he could have just said, you know, yeah, I'm sorry I ate from the fruit. It was my fault. No, he didn't say that. He said, the woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit and then I ate it. So he's like, why did you give, it's like, almost like, why did you give me this woman? It's, it's because of you I, I sinned. No. So Adam even lost touch with himself. He lost touch with himself as a sinner. You know, and that's the sense of being lost. Uh, losing connection with God and losing also connection, the truth of who, you, who we are as sinners. All of us are sinners before God. The truth of who we are is, is who we stand before God. Who are we when we stand before God? It's not who are we when we stand before our friends and family or other people. Many times we just compare, oh, I'm better than that guy, I'm better than that person, I'm smarter, I have more money, this and that. It's all relative, you know? But when we stand before God, we stand before absolute truth. God who is all-powerful. And so who are we? We are very weak, very poor. God who is all-pure, all-holy, then who are we? We are sinners in need of God's mercy. You remember the, the story of the Jesus talked about the Pharisee and the tax collector. They went into the temple to pray. The Pharisee was like praising himself. You know, I fast, I pray, I give, I give tithes, you know. He was giving all of his accomplishments. But what did the tax collector do? He was beating his breast. He couldn't even look up. He said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He, 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 
he, he recognized himself to be sinner, you know? And that's so important that we also must recognize ourselves to be sinners, as difficult, as hard as it may be. We must recognize that we are wretched, poor, miserable sinners before God asking for his mercy. Why is that so important? Because it's sinners who, who discover the need for a savior. It is only sinners who have a need for Jesus. If we are not sinners, then we don't need Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for sinners. I didn't come for those who are well. I came for those who are sick. And so important to acknowledge this, to, to be in contact with this, to accept this, to humble ourselves. You know, so many times, that's why I, at the beginning of this Mass, I, I intentionally let us take a moment to examine our conscience, to recognize the sins that we have committed. You know, because the church is trying to teach us this. When we come before God, the first step is to recognize our sins, our brokenness, our woundedness. Because if we don't recognize that, we won't, there's no need to be healed. If we're well, there's no need for healing. There's no need for a cure because we're okay. We're fine. So that's so important. How many times in the Mass, we don't, when we say the confidior, the I confess, we don't even think of any sins. How many Masses we've been to, we don't even think of our brokenness. We don't even think of our woundedness. It just happens so fast, right? I ha I, I'm guilty of the same thing too. I don't even think. We just kind of gloss over that. We skip over this I confess, and we think about, oh, what's the more important parts of the Mass? The Gospel, the homily, the consecration, receiving Holy Communion. But what is this first step of the Mass? We must not just skip over this. It's a first and necessary, necessary step because it, it, it helps us to recognize our sinfulness, our need for a Savior, our need for healing. And that's so important, so very, very important. You know, they, I will share with you from the Diary of St. Faustina, but I'm using this book, Consoling the Heart of Jesus, because there's a, it has an appendix which uh, organizes the themes of the Diary of St. Faustina. And so in this, the diary, Faustina says, uh, 363, O good Jesus, thank you for the great grace of making known to me of what I am of myself, misery and sin and nothing more. You know, see, that's a great grace. To, to have Jesus reveal to us that we are sinners and we're miserable sinners. And Faustina says, thank you, Jesus, for this. Do you ever pray for the grace? Lord, help me to recognize my sinfulness. Lord, help me to recognize my wretchedness my brokenness, my woundedness, and then to thank God. When was the last time you thanked God for the grace to recognize your sins? She even says this. She says, Thank you, Jesus, for the great favor of making known to me the whole abyss of my misery. I know that I am an abyss of nothingness, and that if your holy grace did not hold me up, I would return to nothingness in a moment. See, so Faustina recognizes that she is an abyss of misery. Do you know abyss, that word abyss? It's like a bottomless cavern. 
It's like a bottomless pit, an abyss of misery. That's what she recognized. Would we ever recognize ourselves as an abyss of misery? You know, that might be a grace to pray for. Lord, help me to see that I am an abyss of misery in need of your mercy. Why is that so important? What does Jesus say in the diary? The greater the sinner, the greater right to my mercy. See? See why it's good? The greater the sinner, the more that we recognize our misery, our wretchedness, our sinner, the greater right to his mercy. You know, because mercy flows to the lowest. You realize this? Mercy is like water. You know, the blood and water, it's like liquid. It rained the other day, yes? Where does the rain collect? On the mountains? No. On the hills? No. On the plains? No. It goes to the lowest place, the valleys. The rain goes to the valleys. That's the same way God's mercy works. Mercy flows to the valleys, the lowest points. Those who recognize themselves as miserable sinners, broken, wounded, in need of his mercy, that's where it goes. If we don't recognize this, then it's not going to come to us. That's why the, the Pharisees and the scribes, Jesus was trying to get them to recognize their sins, but they couldn't. So the mercy could not flow to them. They, they, you know, they, they were never healed. But it went to the, the lowest ones. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, but it, see, you have to balance this now. Because it can be very depressing if we recognize our sins. And there are some people who do recognize their sins. But it has to be balanced with the mercy of God. These two truths have to go together. St. Catherine of Siena, doctor of the church, she says you have to learn to stand in two rooms. The room of your misery, your wretchedness, your sinfulness, and also you stand in the room of uh, God's love and mercy. You see, you have to learn to stand in these two rooms. If not, if you only stand in one room, let's say the room of your misery and sinfulness and wretchedness, you will fall into despair. And unfortunately, a lot of people are falling into despair nowadays. They go into deep, deep, severe depression and even commit suicide because they only see their wretchedness. They see their brokenness, their woundedness. You know, they don't see the mercy of God. They need Jesus to balance it out. You know, if you only see God's mercy and love and you don't see your wretchedness, there's another sin, the sin of presumption. Oh, I'm so good, I'm so great, and God is so good, so great. You fall in this sin of presumption that everything you do is good. No, we have to recognize that we are sinners in need of God's mercy. That's the healthy balance. St. Faustina says the same thing. I have one eye on my wretchedness and the other eye on God's mercy. Let me share with you another passage from the diary of Faustina 289. She says, My happiest moments are when I am alone with my Lord, during these moments, I experience the greatness of God and my own misery. Imagine that. The, her happiest moments are this balance, God's mercy and her misery. Do you also experience these happy moments? Do you have these happy moments in your life? Knowing the balance of your own misery, the truth of who you are, and the truth of who God is, mercy, love, compassion, infinite mercy. We have to stand in both of these rooms. So important, so important.
So I share with you another one. Uh, Jesus says, 1293, if it hadn't been for this small imperfection, sometimes St. Faustina, she falls, she has an imperfection. Jesus says, you wouldn't have come to me. See, so because she fell, she went to Jesus. Know that as often as you come to me, humbling yourself and asking for my forgiveness, I pour out a superabundance of graces on your soul, and your imperfection vanishes before my eyes. I only see your love and humility. You lose nothing but gain much. You see now, when we come to God with our imperfections, our sins, our woundedness, our brokenness, what happens? Every time we do that and we ask for his mercy, I pour out a superabundance of grace. How beautiful is that? Do you want to receive a superabundance of grace? Are you interested? Oh, no, you're not. You're sleepy. You're tired. You're not, in, you're not interested in superabundance of grace. That's too much, no? Just a little grace is... But see, God wants to give a superabundance of grace to those who humble themselves, those who know that they're sinners, those who know that they're weak. That's why Jesus says, blessed are the poor. You know, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Those, he's recognizing the lowest ones, those lowest conditions. I would say, blessed are those who also know that they are sick. Blessed are those who also know that they are wounded. Blessed are those who recognize that they are Sinners, no? I share with you a story. I heard this story just today. I'm learning, you know. I'm learning a lot of new things. Uh, this woman, she had great depression. She couldn't even uh, go to the Mass. There's this priest who was doing a healing Mass. One of the friends said, can you, can you come to my place and pray for my, I think it was her sister. He's like, no, I don't have time. Can she come to the Mass? No, she's far away. So the, the priest, you know, guided by the Holy Spirit, said, give her a call. Okay, can we call her? Can we talk to her? You know, this technology. Technology is for the service of the Lord, okay? So they called her up, and then the, the priest said, what, are you, what is your sickness? What are you suffering for? She said, depression. How long have you had this depression? Five years. Okay, five years of depression. She, and she, she said, I, I don't even leave my room. I stay in my room for the last five months. I don't know what to do, Father. Help me. And she's, she's very weak, so she's, she's talking very slow. Help me, Father. I, I don't know what to do. So Father, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he used this prayer. He said, uh, most, most precious blood of Jesus. It's this prayer from Nigeria. You know, the Jesus uh, from uh, this, his name, uh, Barnabas. Uh, it's an approved apparition. So he used this prayer, uh, most precious blood of Jesus, save us and the whole world. So can you say that with me? So he would say the first part, oh, precious blood of Jesus. Then she would say, save us and the whole world. Most precious blood of Jesus, save us and the whole world. So they said that, let's say it 10 times. You know, after 10 times, she said, Father, strong voice now, not the weak voice. Father, I feel fire in my body. It's like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's say it ten more times, and this time in Spanish now. So they did it in Spanish. And then after the, the second ten, Father, strong voice again, I feel electricity in my body. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you're healed. You know, she was healed from that moment on. 
And I think he shared this story. That was 20 years ago. No more depression. But you know, it's, she recognized, you know, some, her woundedness, her brokenness. She came, you know, the, someone with a friend who came in before the priest. And then they brought it to Jesus, you know. Another story. Um, they had, there was a mass. This was a mass. Sister Bridge McKenna, this comes from her. Uh, she went to like some uh, country, I think it was in South America. They did some missionary work out there. These villages like up in the mountains. And before the mass, she saw this boy with all of these wounds on his skin. Burn marks and everything. You know, but then after the mass, she's like, wait a minute, this boy, didn't, wasn't this the one who had all of the, the wounds, the burn marks? His, his, he was, skin was all sickly. But now his skin is like clean. What happened? Then the woman said, all we do is we bring our sick children, we put them under the altar, and we pray with faith, and Jesus heals them. See, they bring, they, they bring their wounded, they bring their sick to Jesus. And this is the Mass, the greatest prayer. You know, and they have faith. Do you also have faith? And Jesus healed. Like, wow. She's like, these people, they have faith. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you're going to move mountains. Do we pray with faith? I have to ask a question. Do we pray with faith when we come to Mass? Then why are we not healed? Why are not the people that we pray for healed? You know, I don't know. Maybe we're not praying with faith. Maybe we're not praying with our heart. We're so sleepy. We're so tired. We're not interested. We just go through the motions, you know, at Mass. The Lord be with you, also with you, you know. We, we have to pray with our heart. So important. We have to pray with our faith. It's not just important to pray with lips. You know, we have to be here fully present, aware of our brokenness and also of God's mercy, of God's love and forgiveness. So important. So important. I share with you another story. Priests, even priests can get sick and be wounded. This priest had cancer, cancer of the throat. You know, also this story comes from Sister Bridge McKenna. She didn't feel to pray over him. This was over the phone because he was far away. So Sister Bridge felt inspired to tell him, Father, you celebrate Mass every day. Jesus is touching you every day, right, Father? When, in Holy Communion in the Eucharist, that's Jesus' flesh. He's touching you. So, every, so when you say your next Mass, Father, you tell Jesus, Lord, touch my tongue with your mercy. Heal my tongue of the cancer. You pray with your heart. You pray with faith. Okay, Father? Father said, okay, Sister, I'll do that. You know, when Father started to pray Mass, he went to the doctor, no more cancer, he was healed. But you know, the even more amazing part of it is this priest was not celebrating Mass every day. He was only celebrating Mass on the Holy Days of Obligation, just Sundays and, you know, the Assumption, All Saints Day, Christmas and Easter. But you know now, he celebrates Mass every day. And now he preaches about the truth of Jesus in the Eucharist. So not only his throat was healed, but his faith was healed. His vocation was healed. His priesthood was healed because he didn't believe in Jesus in the Eucharist. Do you believe in Jesus in the Eucharist? Do you believe that Jesus can heal you, can heal you of your brokenness, your woundedness, of your sinfulness? 
We have to come with faith that Jesus is really here. Here, So many Christians, so many Catholics, they come to Mass. I think the late, last statistic, 70% of Catholics do not believe in Jesus' presence in the Eucharist. They think it's just bread. They think it's just wine in the chalice. You wonder why people are still broken, are still wounded? Because of the lack of faith. That's why this church is so empty. You know, great miracle happens in the Mass. Jesus becomes present on the altar. And so few people come to experience this great and wonderful mystery. You know, it's not the gadgets that are going to heal you. It's not going to the hospital. Do you think the hospital is going to heal you? It's Jesus. He is the true doctor. He is the true Savior. You know, but there's a pattern here. People are recognizing, in all those stories, people are recognizing their brokenness, their woundedness, their sinfulness, and they simply bring it to Jesus. And they also recognize the great, wonderful, beautiful mercy of God. That has to happen. We have to have faith in the mercy of God, and we also have to come in contact with our own brokenness and woundedness, as difficult as it may be to identify that we are sinners in need of God's mercy, not to skip over that. So this is the beautiful truth. This is how we become healed. And that happens all through the Gospels, same pattern, all through the Gospels, you know. I'm not revealing anything new, new. but maybe I'm just uh, reminding, (laughs) reminding us of the truth that we are sinners in need of God's mercy, But God is good. God is mercy. God is love. And he wants to pour out a super abundance of his mercy right here, right now, to us who humble ourselves. So prepare your hearts. Pray with faith. Recognize that you're broken, wounded sinners. But prepare also yourself to receive. Be very, very open to receive a super abundance of grace, a super abundance of mercy. Because I imagine... So many people, especially three o'clock hour, they're so sleepy. You have to open your mind. You have to open your hearts. Open everything as wide as possible. You know, as wide as possible. Can you do that? That's a challenge. You know, that's a challenge. They open yourself as wide as possible to receive all the mercy Jesus wants to give you. Let every part of your body, every part of your soul, every part of your very being, your mind, your heart, everything, be touched, be covered by His precious blood. Don't hide anything. You know, don't, don't lose. You know, don't, we're not here to remain lost. We want to be found. But we have to identify our brokenness and also come with faith and trust in his mercy. The goal is to be found. We want to rejoice in being found, you know. I'll share with you one other thing. Jesus says, There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Who are the 99? And who is the one? <laughs> you know, Jesus, these are the statistics Jesus is giving us. 99 righteous people may come to Mass, but maybe only one who repents, who is a sinner who recognizes, I need to change my life. We all need to repent. Our life is a continual process of sanctification and conversion. We want to be better the next day than, than, than yesterday. You know, we have, there has to be change, conversion, real 
change. It, it's not just, I'm, I'm okay, I don't need to change. We're not righteous yet. We're, we're always on the move. We're always on the move of continual conversion and repentance. It is possible for all of us to be the sinner who recognizes that we are in need of repentance. We don't have to be righteous anymore. Let's pray for this grace. And it is a great grace to recognize that we are sinners, also the grace to humble ourselves before the Lord and to trust in his abundant mercy. Amen.